Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. So, this was kind of a scary passage, wasn't it? Yeah? And I don't know about you, but I was not really pleased with the way that they announced the uh, new variant of the virus coming out of South Africa. Did you hear what they called it? Omicron. Right? It's like a Marvel supervillain. I just thought, why couldn't they named it something like, I don't know, Epsilon would have been better, right? Or Fluffy would have been better. But really, when you look at the events of what's been happening in our world this week, it's been scary. You look at what's happening in BC, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland. You look at this case of this poor woman in Moncton right now who can't get surgery for broken ribs because the ICU is full. You know, there's lots of things going on that just makes you feel discouraged and anxious and afraid. So maybe this passage is actually very fitting for us right now. I always found that I'm like, yay, Advent is here. Christmas is coming. Happy, happy readings. It's like, no, no, people are going to faint with fear. And there's going to be all these calamities and people are going to be terrified. And, oh, where is our hope? Um, the, this passage, this chapter begins with the disciples talking to Jesus and saying, look, Master, look at the stones of the temple. Look how big they are, how impressive this building is. And Jesus says, oh, that? Not one stone will be standing on the other. In fact, all of Jerusalem is going to fall. Don't put your hope in buildings. And they say, When's this going to happen? And that's when he starts explaining all the signs for them to pay attention to. Now, the disciples had lots to be hopeful for. Jesus was a miracle worker. People were following him. He was teaching every day in the temple. And people were following him. And they thought, this is the one who's going to kick Rome to the curb. He's going to set up a holy kingdom. And, you know, the Jewish state will be free at last, and, and all worship is finally going to look the way we want it to look. And Jesus says, that's a poor place to put your hope. Now, for me, when I look at the world around us, I think we have more than any other generation reason to hope. Technology, never better, except that it's really bad for us. <laughs> Life expectancy, Never higher. Except that comes with its own kind of burdens, doesn't it? The bank used to be a place where you could trust to put your money, but now they charge you for just holding on to your money. Um, the medical system right now is so overwhelmed that that's not really great either. I am thankful that at the dentist, they, they don't just use whiskey now. They have better drugs for That's good news. That's good news. But if we put our hope in human institutions, if we put our hope 
in our technologies and our accomplishments, they will fail us. And so Jesus is telling us, what do you do when the world is going crazy? Where do you find hope? So let's take a look at what he says to his disciples. Are you the type of person who reads the back cover of a, of a novel before you read the novel? Yeah? One of my people. Kimberly and I disagree on this. I always do that because I want to know what I'm getting into. She's like, I want to be surprised. I want to don't have anything shape my expectations before I read the novel. That's noble. It's risky. That's why we end up watching Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> no, it was good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, but, you know, some people want to know what's coming, what to expect. And the disciples, upon hearing that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed and the temple was going to be torn down, they wanted to know what to expect. And so Jesus tells them. And Jesus says there's going to be stars, there's signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, and on earth nations will be in anguish and perplexity, and on and on and on. Now, when he says there's going to be signs in the sun and in the universe, like in the, in the solar system, He's saying, this is more than, is Pluto a planet or not? Like, are we changing? I know it's not. I'm really bummed that it's not for some reason. But then you look at Orion's belt, and one of the stars is going wonky in that, and they think it's dying. So in 200,000 years or something like that, it's going to be gone. What's that going to do for his wardrobe? I don't know. When a first century Jewish person talked about the cosmos, the, the, the stars and the moon, that wasn't just stars and planets and all those things. That was a, a sign, a warning of what was to happen on the earth. If there was going to be changes and upheavals there, then it was going to be so much worse here on earth. So Jesus is basically saying, you are entering a time of great upheaval. And it will be a time of great fear and anxiety. So what are the disciples supposed to do? Well, everyone else is going to be terrified and fainting with fear. He says, when these things happen, look. Stand up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Everyone else is terrified because their hope is in these things. The stability that our nation can provide. But he says, look to me. Now, I just want to step back for a second and say, who is he talking to? He's talking to disciples, each of whom were martyred for their faith. Put your hope in me. Putting your hope in Jesus doesn't mean you're going to have wealth or power or health. It means that we are going to be able to carry on through this life by being a peacemaker, by being an agent of healing, an agent of the kingdom of God now. It doesn't mean it's going to be good for us necessarily right now, but it does mean that we'll be living the lives of purpose that we have in God. Um, these disciples could look and say, you know, we are going on a way that's still going to be marked with suffering, but Jesus leads us. He shows us how to do that well. And we are able to follow him and look to him in hope that we might do it well. And that's where our hope is. Lift up your heads 
Keep your eyes on Jesus, and he will sustain you through a very troubling world. Do you have a, a favorite sign of spring coming? Yeah? The crocus is? <laughs> Rhubarb? Fiddleheads. Robins. I love robins. I used to think that the best uh, sign that spring was coming was the roll at the rim contest from Tim Hortons. But they started doing that in the fall. Yeah, Colin. The Blue Jays? Right on. Not only the real Blue Jays, but the spring training. <laughs> yeah, when, when we have these things, I love it when the robins come. It could be in the heart of winter. It just feels like we're sort of never getting there. And then these robins show up, and you think the end is coming. Like spring is on its way. And that can give us hope. Why was Jesus telling them these things? So that when we hear of wars and rumors of wars, when there's natural disasters and, and just upheaval around the world, that we wouldn't be overcome with it. But we would say, these are the signs that our rescuer is coming, that we could actually function in hope. Um, in verse 32, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. He's talking about the destruction of the temple. It happened in 70 AD and following, where Jerusalem fell too. Don't be dismayed. Don't bury your head in the sand, but hope. Live in expectancy that even this God will use. I, I feel like the past 20 months, we've been in a perfect storm where there's so much going wrong in the world around us. It just seems overwhelming. And in the past few weeks, I've been praying with the passage um, of, of Peter and Jesus walking on the water, and Peter's in the boat. And, and he says, if it's really you, Jesus, then let me come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. Like, come on. And so Peter gets out of the boat. And when his eyes are on Jesus, he walks on the water. But then what happens? He gets distracted by the wind and the waves, and he starts to sink. And he cries out to Jesus, and Jesus reaches out his hand and pulls him up and says, Why did you doubt? And I think he doubted because he took his eyes off of Jesus. It is so tempting for us to be totally consumed with the news and of what's happening all around us. But we need to get, we, it's not. It's not about putting our heads in the sand. It's not about wishful thinking. It's about looking at these things and saying, Lord Jesus, come soon. And let us be agents of healing and encouragement and blessing amidst the storm. How do we do that? We keep our eyes on Jesus. How do we do that? We pray. We gather in faith. Um, we read the Bible. We read the promises of Jesus. And we hold on to that. So let's look up, not be distracted and overwhelmed by the storm. Do you know that, that saying that, um, how does it go? <laughs> uh, where we say, this, this too shall pass. You know that saying? That is a statement of hope. When Donald Trump was elected president, Facebook exploded. 
And people were panicked. This is the end of the nation. Nope. Didn't do the nation any good. But this is a season that passes. What is the one thing that doesn't? The reign of Jesus. That's where our hope is to lie. Jesus tells us, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down and you'll, you'll live for your entertainment to escape what's happening around you. You'll, you'll escape with, with being drunk and, and all the anxieties will just crush you. Don't fall into the trap of escaping this. Instead, appeal to me in the midst of the storm. Keep your eyes on me in the midst of the storm. Years ago, when I was a chaplain at RNS, um, I put a question box at the back of the chapel. All the kids had to go to chapel every day. They weren't happy about it. And so I put this question box at the back and I said, um, whatever question you have, put it in the box and we'll address it sometime in chapel. And so very early on, I got about 10 questions from the same person. I could tell by the handwriting. And they were all digs at me or chapel. And it was basically, uh, kids pushed back, right? And they were going to say, are you serious? Are you going to answer any question? And one of the questions was, <laughs> I know why I hate chapel, but why does everyone else hate chapel too? And I said, and my response, because I responded to them all and got the headmaster really angry at me, but I said, I don't know why you hate chapel, but my mother told me that misery loves company. <laughs> and so I can only guess that other people hate chapel because they're sitting too close to you. <laughs> and then I said, when you come to chapel, it's like with most things in life, if you come with the expectation of good and you come with that attitude, you're going to get a lot out of it. But if you come with a closed mind and a closed heart, this is going to be a waste of your time, so come expectantly. When we walk through this world, our hope isn't in the things that are here, in the institutions, the way we've always done things, the government, anything. Our hope is in the fact that Jesus is coming and he's going to right every wrong. That is our hope. And our prayer is to say, Jesus, use me today to reflect your kingdom around us. Will you please pray with me? Lord, the storms rage around us and we are often afraid. Please give us your grace so that we can look to you. Fill us with faith that we may trust in you. And Lord, we pray that you would give us expectant hearts, that we would be open and receptive to the moving of your spirit, and that your kingdom of justice and of fellowship and of beauty would fill us and be reflected to those we encounter. Lord, be glorified in your church, and may we be the blessing you've called us to be in Jesus. We ask this all in your name. Amen.